0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. AI can do your job for you, not instead of you, (laughs) right? Or as you, not at your detriment.
1: Be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Back by popular demand. I am so thrilled to have our guest today. He's become a friend ever since I first found him on LinkedIn when I was looking for people who were doing cool things. And instantly, we hit it off. I remember distinctly having a very long back and forth conversation through DM with this individual. And I instantly fell in love with him. I just knew he was a good human being, somebody that has a heart as big as the room that he's in. And as our world's collided and evolved. And we got a chance to get to know each other really well because of a mastermind that he put together with some other amazing humans. And we got to meet on a weekly basis and talk and think about the book, Think and Grow Rich. And he did a masterful job of leading that group and helping us navigate the teachings and the philosophies and the brilliance of that book. And as life happens and the pandemic happened, we didn't talk as much, I would say over the last year or so, but recently I noticed he was falling or had fallen in love with the platform and the incredible new wave of craziness that's happening because of AI generally and more specifically getting into the the nitty gritty nuance of chat GPT three and all things that go into that. And so his headline on LinkedIn is, I believe, at the very beginning, chat GPT, early adopter expert. And so I immediately said, okay, we need to talk. So we, we talked briefly over the weekend. I gave him a call and he was nice enough to talk for a few minutes, even while he was at dinner. And I think much to the chagrin of whoever he was with, because eventually we had to in that conversation, but we said, you know what, let's continue this conversation as a podcast. And so it is with great pleasure that I welcome back to the show. Oh man, now I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but I knew him originally as Corey Warfield and he's got a a new name. So can you pronounce it for me, Corey? Go ahead and and I'll redo that part,
0: but go ahead. Lapish Warfield. So in it's Portuguese, but in Spanish, lapicera or lapis is a pen or a pencil, but it's a different pronunciation of Lopez. Got it. Okay. Well, I know that. Lapis Warfield. So Corey,
1: it's been a while. When did your love of chat GPT first happen? And when did you realize that it's something that you want to pay close attention to? Yes.
0: Yeah, so I think sometime in the beginning of December, it came on my radar and I played with it a bit. And I thought it was cool. It could come up with like, you know, some headlines or some about sections that were pretty darn good for, you know, the data that I was giving it. And for like, I thought it was funny. It could write rap songs and poems. And then I put some bigger documents in and it pretty much instantly just broke them down. And that's when I started to really understand the power of Chat GPT. And then I had a few things happen. My dad got real sick. And so I was, you know, kind of whenever I could just hopping on Chat GPT because I was really enthralled with the fact that people were legitimately like technologists and really smart people were calling it the Google killer. And I'm like, it's cool, right? Like it's one of the better chatbots I've ever used, but Google killer. And I really just wanted to understand why people you know, that I really respect intellectually were so into it. And that's when I started understanding the prompts and telling it to act as certain things and how much better the results got. And that's when I realized that it is machine learning, so it's getting better every day and every time that I used it. Then understanding use cases, you know, like coding apps and deploying or checking code. And really, I've been doing the startup thing in the tech world for a number of years. Anything that I've you know had to learn or get good at over the years, this thing was just rocking. And then I started playing with some of the other products, the visual ones like Art AI and Dolly Two and some of the other AIs and just realized this is happening, <laughs> right? It's underway. It's insane. I can't even put into words how
1: mind-boggling it is what it can do. And I, I think this really is the tipping point, even though the technology's not new, it's, I think, becoming so much more visible to the masses what the capabilities are. But despite that, I still think there's a hesitancy and there's all the naysayers and the haters. And I kind of chuckled to myself because you could naysay and be a hater all you want, but you're going to eventually see this embedded in every part of your life. And as we have new iterations and GPT-4 is supposed to be so much more powerful, it's like we can't even begin to understand how much more powerful. But I want to double click on what you said, which is use cases. So what are some of the use cases that you found, at least in your own exploration, that you think are most powerful that people should be thinking about?
0: Once I start looking at the 3.5 and, and seeing some of what they're saying about 4, I extrapolate some of the use cases. I think that ChatGPT, GPT, this whole world, I think it's going to extend the human life expectancy by hundreds of years. I think it's going to have us become an interplanetary species within a generation. I think that the implications are, I don't think people are going to have to work any longer. They're using this thing to fix things like basic income across the world. And, you know, it can reverse engineer a lot of coding and redo things that we've lived with digitally for decades. But I think right now, some cool use cases, like if somebody listening is like, it's the beginning of 2023, how can I use chat GPT? You can use it if you ask it to act as a startup advisor or a consultant. You can use ChatGPT to create an entire business plan with financial modeling, go-to-market strategy, content creation. You can use ChatGPT to write an amazing resume with a cover letter, or you can actually chat with ChatGPT, ask it to act as a as a HR director or something, and have a full interview with it. And then afterwards, ask what you could have and should have done differently and better, and it'll tell you. And it's smart, right? One of the projects I'm working on is how do we use this really to help people make better decisions, safer, quicker decisions, decisions that are more profitable. At a younger age, you can use tools like this to determine what you'd be most happy at professionally. Or, you know, there. I mean the implications there are people that are going to start using within the next one month billy there are going to be people are going to ask chat gpt for a topic for a podcast and ask it for names then ask it to write 10 podcast scripts for the choice that they choose then throw it into a voice engine have it digitally record the entire script that was written by ai if they want to have a face to it they'll use a digital avatar like you or i They'll then have an AI produce the show, put it on the channels, and it will have never touched anything but AI. And people will be sitting around listening to it. Oh, it's so insane. So how are, and
1: I want to get into that in a minute because it is just absolutely extraordinary thinking about the end-to-end solution that it could provide. And you're just using podcasts as an example, but that go with any business. And to your point, jobs of the future It's going to be different, whether they're all gone, all eliminated or changed, or, I mean, there's any number of, I guess, outcomes that could result and who knows what that exactly will be. But as you think like immediate, how are people using it? I guess maybe wrong is not the best way of saying it, but incorrectly or maybe not to its fullest. And how should they be using it? Or what examples or ideas do you have to best utilize the current version of ChatGPT?
0: Yeah, I think most people are just using it generally, so they're asking it questions. They're asking it to do things. If you just take it the one step further and ask it to act as an expert and get as specific as you can there, the outcome is incredibly different. Right? If I ask it questions about business, it will give me some decent answers. If I ask it to do it as a business consultant with 20 years of experience working with Fortune 100 companies or as a startup advisor with three multiple exits at the 100 million plus dollar level it begins to feed me the type of insights that I'd get from somebody like that so if i'm mm. asking it questions about a podcast and i ask it to act as a top 10 podcast host consulting a new podcast person it'll do it and that in and of itself levels it up and learning some more of the prompts asking it to format things you know you can ask it to do it in a drop down table or in bullet points, however you want it formatted. I think just understanding that it's very specific. So the more specific you are with it, the more specific it can, you know, more specifically be awesome with what it gives back out.
1: Totally. If you do like a one-line prompt, it's going to give you a lot different answer than if you do a highly specific, very, very detailed prompt that says exactly what you want. And you've just illustrated, I think starting it off with act like X, Y, or Z, a podcast consultant with 20 years experience or business consultant with 20 years experience and provide, I started writing a book and it's like, act like Malcolm Gladwell. And in his writing style, write a chapter of this book with this kind of historical detail and reference and storytelling and all the different things that I want and include sources and references and historical figures, like all the and examples. And this is a lot different than write a Chapter on a book about this, so it's just giving you a different outcome. So getting very specific is crucial. What is your knowledge of the next iteration of Chat GPT and going into Chat GPT four? Do you know what those differences and nuances are that will make it that much more powerful?
0: Yeah, where they're taking it pretty quickly, and with the pro and the four, I think the idea is for this to be pretty much implemented is having it be real time, connecting to the internet right so rather than being an information that's a year and a half old have it being in real time so now it can start to do market research and actually do outreach on your behalf and things of that nature i also believe that it's going to kind of incorporate the dolly 2 and the different visual components so that you can actually ask it to create a presentation or a pitch deck i think there's going to be some animation components i think you'll be able to make some video type stuff with that i think you know, these are all pretty basic, but I look at another technology from another company and I have a feeling we're going to see something come together between these two. And that's a company called the parent company is Aletheia AI. Have you heard of them? No. So it's a Mark Cuban backed company. And so they, you know, they've, They've had a lot of money to play with and do some some development and research. And they've been working on AI as well, as is Google and Meta and, and Reed Hoffman and all of that. But this particular company has a product that they're going to be releasing very soon called Character GPT. And people that got in a little earlier were able to buy NFTs and they'll be able to turn these NFTs into avatars that have whatever voice they give them, that look whatever they want. And right now they're training them as things like concierge and life coaches. Mm. And you can imagine like you could create a avatar that looked like you and sounded like you and thought like you, that you fed thousands of data points from the thousands of podcasts you've done and have this avatar be a virtual podcast host and let anybody come on and experience something like this. Right? So for me, what we've been working on at Corey Connects and we're going to leverage this technology for is a virtual Corey coach, right? It's going to be me teaching people how to grow to hundreds of thousands of, of followers and millions of views on LinkedIn. And they'll know everything I would have told them and recommended and they'll talk to them in real time. This is putting a face on chat GPT and letting it truly become personalized. That I think is going to be something that we're going to see as GPT4 kind of just evolves quickly. And that to me can be absolutely life-changing. I think that can be, you know, I posted about it. AI can do your job for you, not instead of you, right? Or as you, not at your detriment.
1: A hundred percent. So as we're talking, there's someone listening right now who's thinking, how can I best utilize my time so that I'm not wasting it doing the wrong things? And what I mean by that is, It almost is overwhelming to think about the possibilities, the capabilities. And if we are misguiding the direction that we're using our time, perhaps we're going to make some crucial mistakes because time is of the essence. Let's be real about this. Things are moving fast. And as things move as fast as they are moving, the people who navigate Time the best and how they utilize their time are going to be best situated to take advantage of the trajectory of change and growth that's happening with AI? I asked you this when we first spoke about it. What advice would you have for somebody who's wanting to take advantage at let's call them a business owner, business leader, somebody that is in position to do something meaningful either with their own business or incorporating it into a business that they work at? What advice would you give them?
0: The unfortunate but most accurate answer is it's going to change for absolutely every person. I think really getting clear with what you're hoping. I mean, if you're looking for your time to have a direct output and for, you know, to see results as soon as possible, you need to know what you want to get out of it. My assessment right now is people that learn how to use GPT right now are like the people that learned how to write codes, you know, back 20, 30 years ago. Right now, I think just jumping in and playing with it and understanding. If you want it to help your business be more profitable, ask it to act as a consultant and just be real about your business and just have it have a chat. If you want it to help you get a job, have it write a cover letter and resume. Have it just you know help you decide what types of roles and companies to apply to, and then let it give you you know the whole game plan. If you're looking for it to help you get a degree quicker or, or, or get graduate with good grades, use it to dumb down your text and, and feed it to you like your. You know, twelve, and it'll do that for you. I think there are a lot of people using it for copywriting. So if you're a copywriter, feed into it what you would have written as copy. You know, f- here's fifteen pieces of copy I was going to do for a, a digital fashion company. Here's what I would write. Please rewrite it better. It'll do it. If you ask it to write it as a, as a grade A copywriter, and you told to do it better, it will do it better, right? And so this is a way for people to just use it to get better copy. Better quality output and whatever they're doing. But I think the only real way people will get it is to just jump in. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's free. There's no code. The UI is very simple. So, really, all anybody needs to do um, is go to the website and and start playing with it. But I think having intentionality of what you want to get out of it is very, very important.
1: Right. And it makes the user experience so easy to navigate the tool because it is so streamlined. It's not difficult to use. Anybody can use it and feel comfortable using it, which is probably why people are saying it's the Google killer. But what what is going to happen? Do you think like, give us a, you know, obviously nobody's got a crystal ball. No one can know for certain what's going to happen. But if you were to map out and you talked about increasing longevity, what are some of the other things that you think might happen? Let's say in the short, medium and long term, as we look in the future of how AI will impact and influence the lives that we lead?
0: Well, I'll I'll kind of back up for a second and address the whole Google killer thing because I figured it out and then I really figured it out. Here's why it's the Google killer first and foremost. If you have any question that you would have wanted the answer to on Google, if you ask it in chat GPT, rather than 20 results and some are sponsored and some are wrong and some of them just paid to have high SEO and right, it's just going to give you the answer. You don't need right, it simplifies the search process so much that you don't need to go to Google. And especially when GP4 is compatible with real time data, why would you go to a fragmented search engine where people can pay to play, where you can just go to a factual free interface, type in a question, get the right answer. I was trying to find out something about soil today for house plants. I just typed into chat GPT, what what should I be doing for this specific plant? And it gave me the answer like that. And it was the right mm-hmm. answer. And it was no advertisements or anything. It was just straightforward. So that to me is where the Google killer kind of came in. It's a much better search experience. And it makes, it's a much better way to compile data in a way that you're going to digest it because you're going to get different results from it than I am. It it responds to us as individuals. But then I figured out what's really going on, (laughs) right? Microsoft put $1 billion into the parent company, OpenAI. And so they gave them a billion dollars and they gave them a many billion dollar valuation. And that was really cool. Then you found out that Microsoft is about to embed the OpenAI technologies into their office suite Then you find out they're about to embed it into their old search engine called Bing. And I've got a Corey Mm -hmm. Connect search engine that's powered by Bing. So I'm really excited to know that the search engine by Microsoft is now going to be powered by this GPT technology, which is just absolutely amazing. Then you look at what happens when you embed something like GPT Pro or GPT 4 into something like a LinkedIn, right? That's where it all starts to come together. And when, when you ask about longevity and things like that, we have such incredible computing power and such amazing amounts of data that have just been disparate. Once an AI can bring the right data together, put together the right models, planes will fly faster on less energy. Greenhouse emissions will be much less. Technology can be carbon Right, We have all this data that's just never been connected the way that AI is about to connect it. So How do we live longer? Well, we're going to have nanobots that are going to be scouring our bodies. I mean, there's Internet of Things times a million, and I've heard kind of chat GPT called Internet of Business and things like that, Web3. I'm really excited to see it all go onto the blockchain because that's the only, you know, Wild West thing is with all these GPTs. How do you know it's real or not? How do you know if something was really written by somebody or how do you know if a video is really that person? Well, mint everything on a blockchain that's really happened, if this is really us talking, then there it should be on a blockchain on an immutable ledger and there and then there's no question. And now anybody can go make their own versions using AI and, and it'll never be they can't do anything nefarious, in other words. So I think we're gonna see a convergence of technologies. It's just gonna help us level up like crazy.
1: Mm. So what's your personal goal in leveraging it? I mean obviously you help people in a wide variety of ways. You're prolific on LinkedIn. The reason you and I connected is because I immediately responded to the type of content you're putting out and all the help that you provide people with the growth and influence and impact. And so I'm curious, like,
0: how is Corey going to use it? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the biggest one is what I was talking about with the character GPT and turning my coaching work into an avatar. That way, I can help a million people at once. I can help, you know, a million people who can't afford me, and the people who want to take it to the higher levels that I charge a lot for can do that either with the avatar or with me at a certain price point. What that will do for my life personally, you know that that becomes a very strong, you know, whatever we want to do eight, nine, ten figure a year revenue stream. I'm able to help that many more people at any given moment, or you know, just holistically yet I have all the time back to go travel the world, right? If I can overcome my fear of space, my claustrophobia, I really do want to travel into space. I know that when certain people have gone to space and come back, they've actually you know, not been as stoked about it anymore. But I, I would love to experience something like that. I think that's what this technology is going to open up for those early adopters. So turning the Corey coach avatar on, Getting that model just fully dialed in, making sure that I inform it so it's doing a great job, and then getting all that time back and and being able to do what I, you know, what I've been want, dying to do, almost you know, just pining to do for years, which is travel the world and see people all over. I, I want to go to, you know, New Zealand and Ethiopia and India and and Thailand. I just want to go all over the world and meet all the people.
1: Sure, and every. I'm sure pretty much every country imaginable has somebody that follows you amongst your almost, are you there yet? I think you're very close to half a million. Did you hit it? Or how, do you not yet? Okay. So maybe by the time this airs, you're there, but 500,000 people follow nearly 500,000 people follow Corey on LinkedIn. And for good reason, you have such a unique perspective on things. And also one of the things I admire most about you, man, is you're a visionary. You have a truly unlimited mindset and it's so refreshing to be around you because you bring a new perspective on things. You don't cap what's possible. And that is, sadly, so many people do. You don't. And I think it's so refreshing just to be in your space because it puts light and enthusiasm and this, again, this unlimited type of thinking that most people don't have. So with that all being said, You did say something that was really interesting at the top of this, which is, hey, there may not be jobs. So how do we live in a world where maybe there's not jobs? I'm curious what your thoughts are, because I've heard it also said that like, if you look at the Industrial Revolution, people thought it would take all their jobs, but it ended up being more jobs. So I'm curious, like, describe the world in which maybe there aren't jobs or maybe not as many jobs, and how do we coexist in a way where we can still live lives that are both fulfilled and also when we're able to survive and not just survive, but thrive.
0: Yeah. On the one hand, if you know, to get pessimistic, which is not classic Corey, but Albert Einstein was once asked what weapons would be used in world war three. And he famously said, I don't know, but then he kind of turned back around and said, but I know what weapons will be used in world war four. And the reporter got really excited to hear this real cool technology. And Albert Einstein said sticks and stones I do think that there's a possibility that if some of this unrest and divisiveness that we're seeing, you know, the polarization of humanity keeps going, I think, you know, there's not much technology in the world that can help some of that. So, you know, I'm really hoping and and praying for just this technology and, and whatever it might take to bring people together. But as long as humanity has a chance... I think what this opens up is lives where people don't need to work. If people want to you know, play ball with their kid in the park all day, fantastic. If people want to live in a virtual world, our attention will always be commodity. So as long as we the people have attention to give, I think that we'll always be able to be provided for. I see a lot of models coming out around the shared economy and the circular economy. I also see a lot of things on basic income for everybody worldwide i think you know as much as there may be some holdouts i think we're moving towards a globalization if we allow that to happen but i see a reality where people don't need to work 40 hours a week i see a real reality where people can still own property you know in the real world but i also think there's going to be a real opportunity and need especially if po- if we're able to figure out this population thing to get to other planets and right? If somebody wants to live like it was the 1200s, maybe that's going on on Venus, right? And I think to terraform and things of that nature, I think are are going to become much more feasible in the near future. So I think, you know, there will probably be planets where people can go work 40 hours a week if they want to, right? Like if you want to go, you know, mine coal or shovel coal, or if you want to go fill out paper with a pen, like go to Neptune, right? Like that's what they're, that's what they're doing over there. But I, I I don't think life is ever going to be the same. Basically, starting the beginning of twenty twenty three. Well, and also, you know,
1: as Americans, we typically have a different value system than you can see in other countries, where your world is not based around what you do for a living in a lot of countries. And I think where we probably will have to adjust is where our values and beliefs. In terms of what life should be, because our lives, they're not really meant to be working. Yet, so many of us place so much value in what we do and the career and all of those things. But in reality, like if we really boil down life, it's like it's about connection, it's about being with other people, whether that be your family or friends or both. And I think, I hope that we get to a place where we bring that back to a priority. And not to say that there's not, value in what we do for a living, there is and there's purpose and fulfillment, but maybe we should reexamine the importance that we place on it and having it almost be everything to us. Because right now, in a lot of cases, it's everything. And it it probably shouldn't be in the long term.
0: No, I, I think we can get back to a place where we're able to get creative and philosophic. I mean, imagine that, right? And you know, maybe appreciate some of what hundreds of years of humanity spent to create for us. But when you look at things like 3D printing, we can 3D print houses now. We don't need bricklayers as much. We look at things like surgery. You have robots that can quite literally perform surgeries and surgeons can be performing them robotically from around the world. But there are so many things. I mean, a couple hundred years ago, everybody was a farmer, right? Hundreds of years before that, everybody was carrying big stones. And I think there's some new research that says the Egyptians weren't slaves with it. That was their job, right? Their, their job was to build these big pyramids. Like Throughout time, there are different professions and industries and needs. But I think as we can get technology and automation and information and data and use them to make our lives better. And this world doesn't need more wealth for humanity. There's enough wealth that's been created. Now we should just be able to enjoy it and let it kind of, you know, probably circulate.
1: Mm, I'm with you 100%, man. And I hope that we can reevaluate all of that as we enter this new era. I do feel like this, like we had the roaring 20s 100 years ago. And I kind of feel like in a weird way, we're going to, history does repeat itself but in different ways and i feel like we're going to have this new era i'm curious you produce a lot of content and you coach people how to grow on linkedin how would you suggest in this new era somebody who is producing either content or has the ability to influence other people how should they be thinking about leveraging ai and chat gpt and other platforms to help with that? Like, what advice would you give?
0: Well, it can make it a lot easier. If you have something spitting you out, great things to post or say, or think about, or, you know, just taking some of that barrier to entry off the table, I think that's going to help people inherently. But I think also what I'm seeing really evolve is community. And right on social media, if you can build community around you, that's amazing. I think people are starting to wake up more and more to the fact that social media is just algorithms, right? It's just computer science. If you learn what time to post every day and what to start your posts off with and, you know, what hashtags to use at the end and what people to make sure, you know, you're going to be coming up in the news feed of, that's pretty powerful, right? Like You can absolutely growth hack your way to 100,000 followers or 100 likes every time you post or 1,000 likes every time you post, whatever you want to do. Right now, some of the platforms like the meta platforms and the Twitters, they want to do more of the pay to play model. And so if they notice you're getting a lot of visibility, they start to sneak in, you know, some lower ones to make you pay for the dopamine back. Then you get platforms like LinkedIn, which I'm super bullish on where it's all organic. It's professionals that are choosing what professionals to get to know and support and, you know, sharing thought leadership and opportunities and talking about cool, new, disruptive things and whatever their industries are so for me i think the people that are just showing up and building communities around them or joining communities and being contributing members to them in whatever ways that looks like that's a way to really just grow on social media and then you can use the ais if you want i mean for my social i haven't i have not had any content written by ai i don't ever want to do that my brand is authenticity i you know i haven't used ai for anything along those lines but I've used the AI art to make the coolest freaking avatars of myself I've ever seen. And I'm doing original content with those. So I'm putting quotes of mine over these AI art. And those are going crazy. I mean, I've I've been doing that a few weeks and had tens of millions of views on them already. I've had people sharing those posts hundreds and hundreds of times, collectively thousands, of just an AI picture of me and some cool thought. You know, whether it's just about AI, it's you know, one of the GPTs, whether it's about Web3 and metaverse, which I'm really into and involved in in some of my initiatives. So that's what I see it doing is making really dynamic content and being able to make different content. With ChatGTP4, you'll be able to literally be like, scan the internet for anything that's ever been posted on LinkedIn and do something 180 degrees different. (laughs) Okay, here you are. Right. So I think just using AI to think outside the box and push the limits is going to be what we'll see a pretty imminent use case for. And
1: I appreciate what you said about your brand being authenticity and you making sure that that doesn't change, even though you can augment what you push out with, like you said, AI artwork that you help to convey a, a message or a, a thought and just do it in a different way, and then yeah, you could use the tools to help help with ideation and research and giving you perspective and new ways of thinking. How do you think AI? will
0: change the way we as humans think about creativity? I think we're probably going to start to respect creativity both more and less. I think true creativity is going to become quite a commodity, especially once you know we're, we're getting stuff on, on chain, so we know kind of what the origination of thought and creativity mm. was. But I think it's going to move us less from having to prove to the world that we're creative and more getting real and honest with ourselves about what we want to be creating or what creative outlets we want, because we're about to be able to do whatever we want to do. I'll give you an example, another product of the, you know, OpenAI that does Dolly 2 and ChatGPT. There's one that they've got called Jukebox. And what they're doing with Jukebox is I'll be able to say, hey, write me a song like You 2 about Corey Warfield on LinkedIn, mention these five clients have a chorus that's very melancholy and memorable and do it in the key of G. And it'll do it. And it'll write you a song. It'll say, here it is. And I can say, well, you know what? <laughs> you sound kind of whiny. And you use the word baby. I would never say baby on LinkedIn. Switch it up. And you push the button and five seconds later, it goes, okay, here's your song. You go, okay, that sounds a little too much like Bono. Change the vocals and make them female. And it'll, write.' So all of a sudden we're talking about creativity. Like, well, people respect that as music. I don't know, mm. right? But what about the guys in the garage that pull out some, some instruments that belong to their grandparents and bang it out in an old Marshall? I have a feeling people are going to really get nostalgic for some of that. So I think the people that are able to kind of bridge the two worlds, yeah, just like the internet, right? We, we got this new Web 3 and we've got Web 2. I think the people that are able to kind of bring a balance to humanity between these technologies are going to find themselves with some pretty interesting opportunities. Right. I'm glad you
1: brought that up because I was thinking about music specifically. And that's just one of many creative industries that are going to be disruptive in some way, shape, or form by AI. And I mean, every industry I think will be. Do you think it will lead to more innovation or do you think it's going to stifle creativity? Like, because to your point, there is going to be the people who still have the ability to play an analog instrument and have the ability to do what we now appreciate as human-oriented creativity, how will this change industries and how will this change the way in which we're creative?
0: You know, when I look at things like the political divide and things like that, and I understand how stubborn people get, I think there are going to be hundreds of millions of people probably that are AI holdouts. I think we're going to see communities and, and, and almost cultures on earth where people just don't do that. I think we're going to find a lot of demand for people that can, you know, make a sword with their own hands or build a house with their own, too. And so I, I think there's going to be pockets of, you know, different types of mindsets. You know, I, I do think some people are going to be more of the Luddites. I, you know, just like the internet, there are people that still don't use the internet. <laughs> it's 2023. There are people that just don't do it. Like it's mind blowing. You just, you just don't use the internet, right? And you're not Amish. And but they just don't do it. There are people who don't have smartphones. Like for me, I couldn't, I I wouldn't know how to live life as a human now without my smartphone, I don't think. There are people who just don't do it. They That's know what crazy. they are. It really is. So I think there's gonna be a wide range or you know, a bunch of different realities going on. But I also, I mean, I, I will say as someone that, that is bullish on AI, that loves AI, that studies AI, that uses AI, that evangelizes for AI. I'm a bit scared, right? Like I do see a a potentiality for, you know, I think this the concept of AGI, general artificial intelligence, is you know where they can basically outdo anything a human can and recreate and reprogram. You can already go on ChatGPT and create your own ChatGPT. That's Jilly, (laughs) that's Billy GPT or Corey GPT. So I think there's a possibility that this is the beginning of. The end of reality as we know it, and if so i don 't know if there's anything we can do about it anyway. you might as well you know try to enjoy it, but I do think that there's there's going to be a dynamic shift coming up whatever it is i don't i don 't know if it 's going to be a singularity or you know we we just you know but if all this infighting in humanity happens, we 're not going to find out anyhow
1: mm-hmm. so I asked chat gpt what question I should ask you about this topic. And here's one of the questions that asked me to ask you, what are the most important questions we should be asking about the intersection of AI and creativity?
0: That's a pretty good one. What questions should we be asking when we're talking about the intersection of AI and creativity? I guess the question, and it's probably subject to personal interpretation or or, or belief, but I think the question is, how much does it matter if an idea generated from a human or a computer? Because if we think it matters a whole lot that an idea came from a person, not a computer, then we're not going to respect any of the creativity unquote, that came from the computer. We're only going to be respecting what came from a person. But if we don't care, if we say, I don't care if that art was done by a person or a computer, it's freaking awesome. Right? I don't care if that song was written by a person or a computer. That, then I think it's an entirely different conversation. It'll probably shape where we go as humanity. So I think... How much does it matter? Right? And and that's probably Mm. the question if I had to to distill it down into one.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant, man. I totally agree. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, part of it is asking the question, how much does it matter? Part of it is, will we know? (laughs) Like, and that's the other piece to it. It's like- But Billy,
0: that's where blockchain comes in. And I think a lot of people don't understand that yet. Sure. If we don't have blockchain underpinning all of this, We'll never know. We will never yeah. know. People listening won't know if this is actually me or you right now, because a computer could have done it. If it's on chain, as long as we have that layer, then we'll always know You know what's real, what's not, what's authentic. But can't you fool the blockchain? Nope. Immutable. It exists in two random places at any given time and has to be validated. It's a truly brilliant. It has technology. to be validated. That's the part I don't fully grasp or, or
1: conceptualize is, is how, can we, how can we know for certain that whatever it is or isn't true, like isn't real. I definitely hear what you're saying, but is there a way
0: to like verify or validate everything that we do? I don't know. Conceptually, yes. And that's why it's a randomization where it has to be validated by two people. that could have no clue that the other one was validating the same thing. Right. And it's happening at the same time somewhere, anywhere in the world or the ether. I think unless the technology and unless it's a FTX thing and they just built a back door where computers can validate them, I mean, as long as it is what it's been third party validated to be from a code perspective, it's immutable. It's it's that wouldn't be able to happen. Mm-hmm. So As we
1: wind down here, and this has been such an awesome conversation, and I hope we have many more where we could explore and as things evolve, talk about the latest. I would love for you to share what platforms, and you could just go through like a lightning round of platforms and companies and places where you're spending time. Obviously, we've talked a lot about ChatGPT, but there are others as well. You talked about Dali and all the other platforms that exist, like, let's just do kind of a, a lightning round of what the platform is, what it does, why it might be something that's useful for somebody who's listening right now.
0: Perfect. So DALL-E2, D-A-L-L-E, the number two, that's a fantastic one for for art creation. So you can go there and say, give me a pig playing football as a quarterback, throwing a lemon to a zebra. And with the push of a button, it'll make it for you. And that's a free product as well. That's really cool. Art AI. is That's a- kind of like Mid Journey. Yeah, right? well, then Mid Journey is another one that, that does it very well and a little bit different. They've got a pricing model there, but I, I like them also. And then there's Art AI, which I like. I'll tell you the platform that I use more than anything hands down and which I love. That has nothing to do with AI. It was just the no-code design platform, but it's Canva. I love Canva. I love Canva so much. I use it for everything. I build websites on Canva. I do LinkedIn profile banners on Canva. I do all of my content for social media on Canva. But that was one of the first things I saw on Canva almost two months ago was type to image. And they're using Dolly for it. So even on Canva for your design you're using Dolly too. So I like all of those. I'm part of a project that I'm super bullish on called 212. We've redesigned cap table management and non-founders won't know what that is, but basically it's who owns what percentage or share in your company. And it's, it's a pretty cool Web3 product on blockchain, but we're using that to feed data into the VC world so that we can get companies funded at any different stage and help them grow and have the right investors and we're building a community there that I'm going to be spending more time on. Also, also the International Business Hub is a company that I that I've helped launch that I think is is a really good kind of supplement to LinkedIn. We've got all kinds of resources available there. We've got community there. Where you will not find me is Discord. <laughs> I can't stand Discord. I know a lot of the Web three D gens live on Discord. I'm allergic to Discord and and almost you know all things DeFi which is interesting for a Web3 guy. But yeah, other platforms that I use routinely, LinkedIn, obviously. I have a feeling we're going to see LinkedIn learning actually turn into something pretty cool you know, within the next, call it nine, nine to 18 months, just as an extension of LinkedIn. And I've been a Google guy forever. People know I use my Google Calendar and my Google Hangouts and my whatever it is, right? Meet Google Sheets, Google... I think with this whole OpenAI, Microsoft thing, people will be able to find me on Microsoft products as well, more as well. So I'm bullish for that. Still bullish on YouTube, you know, which is a Google product. But that's I, I've learned more on YouTube about the Metaverse, Web3, blockchain, even products like ChatGPT than I have anywhere other than actually playing with them in the wild or talking to the founders or anything. So YouTube is still somewhere... I, I may up my YouTube game. I may try to start putting stuff on my on my YouTube channel again. But really, people want to find me and see what I'm up to and what I'm, what I'm talking about. LinkedIn is definitely the place to find me. And if somebody wanted to work
1: with you, what's that process look like? What is the pathway to work with you? Because I know you're high in demand. Everyone wants to get some guidance from you. So what's the process to be able to work with you? And then what does it look like once somebody is accepted and and starts to work with you?
0: Thanks for asking that. I completely changed my model for 2023. So I created a free way for anyone to work with me on LinkedIn. It's a business page called Link Tips, L I N K T I P S. And then because people always screw that up, it says LinkedIn Tips right afterwards. So Link Tips is a free page, free resource. People can go there and learn how to take LinkedIn to the next level. Now, I also introduced a mid-tier to work with me because I wanted to help more people this year before I'm able to launch this AI avatar. And I wanted to help people that couldn't afford my high-end offering, which is the coaching. So I'm now selling a masterclass, which is everything that I teach my one-on-one students. Literally, it's about three and a half hours. I'm selling that for $750. The results have been amazing. Everyone that's taken the course has loved it. Right now, and I don't know when people are listening to this in the future if I'll still be doing this, but right now I'm doing a one on one session with anyone that buys the course afterwards just to make sure it lands, apply some of it specifically to them, let them get a little face time with me. So that's $750, and I'm actually not taking on any clients that haven't done the masterclass first. So the idea is the masterclass is all you should need, and you shouldn't need to work with me if people still want to, right? If they still want me to come in and get under the hood and help them actually write their profile, write their content posts about them. I will then accept people that have taken the masterclass as coaching clients and I deduct the price of the masterclass off the coaching. So I've kind of tried to make it much more accessible. Anybody can join the community. It's free. Anybody can reach out to me for the masterclass video at seven 50. And then the coaching is, uh, a bit more of an investment and it's also, I only take on a few people at any given time. So that one's less of an available option.
1: Sounds perfect, man. Love uh, what you've been able to create and make it accessible, but also recognizing that some people are gonna need a little bit more help or want like, it's like a personal trainer, right? You could teach them how to lift the weights, but maybe some people need that accountability or need the extra guidance, the extra help. And those are the people that you could continue to work with one-on-one so long as they've done the prerequisite of taking that initial step and and, and getting the the initial knowledge that you share. Corey, always a pleasure, my friend. You never disappoint. And I, again, want to just say how eternally grateful I am to have you in my life and to learn from you and to be exposed to this limitless mindset that that you share with all that you surround yourself with. So once again, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you, Billy, for having me. You're amazing. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you got some value out of it. I had a blast being here.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.